Welcome back to the 126th edition of the Parrot Podcast. Uh, today, I'm your host, 4020, and joining me as always is Ham and Birdie. Our leader, Hamish, is away because like Jesse Ramian, he's copying a suspension. Two to five months. Two to five months. No, the, the good news is it's uh, going to be one week with the early guilty plea, so he'll be back in action for round three. Hey, fellas, it uh, hasn't been that long a time between drinks because we did catch up last week, but Ham and Birdie, how you doing, boys? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Birdie? Oh, it's like deja vu, man. It's like I've done this before. <laughs> I mean, I want to say in at least 125 times, when you talk about outtakes, it's probably a little bit longer than that. <laughs> I've been good, man. Same, you know, working, grinding, and that's it. That's the birdie that we know and love. All right, fellas, we've got a busy docket because we had the first week of NRL action alongside a ton of junior uh, uh, rep- junior representative action on the weekend. To get my mouth around that one, sorry. So let's dive into it. Uh, kicking things off, round one of the NRL. Eels were on prime time Friday night, traveling up to Brisbane to take on the Broncos. Um, they ended up getting away with the 24-16 victory. Um, but in a game that was that cliche uh, match of two halves, we had Reed Marnie, Quinton Gufferson, Blake Ferguson, and Big Junior Paulo get over for the scorers, while Mitchell Moses was flawless from the kicking tee four from four. For the Broncos, David Mead and a Xavier Coates double had them run out to a 16-0 lead in the first half. So speaking of that first half, the Eels were pretty ordinary, boys. What do we make of those uh, opening 40 minutes? You know, it's a cliche. Rugby league's a simple game. You hold the ball, you run hard, you tackle hard, you win. In the first half, Parramatta weren't doing any of that. We just... We had a really good opportunity to start the game well when the Broncos um, passed forward Ford in the pass, end goal. Yep. And then, you know, we wanted, it seemed like, oh, we've got to score now. And we went to score on the first set when, you know, we kicked in the end goal on the fourth tackle. And um, there was only one chaser in Dylan, which could have caught the Broncos out by surprise. It didn't. Um, but if we had gone to the fifth tackle there and then rolled into the end goal, which we were doing later on in the game, you know, we all of a sudden get two sets on the Broncos line. I'm not sure if we would have held it, but the game completely changes. Um, and then from there, it was just after Lane's head high tackle, which relieved the Broncos of, uh, of field territory. You know, we just lost our bundle. We weren't uh, running up in defense like we did earlier last year, excuse me. Um, and yeah, it just seemed like every player had the dropsies. Bertie, what did you take out of that first 40 minutes, mate? It's not so much we didn't disrespect them or I just feel as though, you know, Will nervous a bit. I think I think they just got a bit guard because you look at it like um, they just Broncos started off fire man. They got the crowd behind them. You know, Ham would tell you like how like how vocal the crowd is. I think they probably they probably just thought I'll just we'll just ease into it because they're not going to start that quick, right? Like let's be honest, the only other games that um, the only other teams that started quick um, on the weekend were Melbourne Storm, you know, and then and the Roosters. But like other than that, I just think they just I think they thought heck with this new rules we can't go gung ho. In the first 20 minutes, we've got to pace ourselves because there's going to be less breaks, less time, you know, less um, stoppages in the game. So I just feel as though they're just trying to pace themselves. And, you know, it was just a shocking game. Nothing went our way, essentially, like drop balls, balls going to the ground. Like, it just seemed like you look at Sean Lane, like we're going to talk about, like just the errors. Yeah, there was three different type of errors, you know. And then I thought that was like the worst 40 minutes of Sean Lane's career, to be honest. And I just, you know, I just, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't stand the first half. I was so salty. That. Yeah, for me, the first half felt like a, a microcosm of everything that was negative from 2020. And obviously, 2020 was a very good year, but the negatives that we spoke about at length in the podcast, they all crept into one bundle there. You know, we were going sideways before playing through the middle. Uh, we were far too over eager to spread the ball at times. We got lax in defense a couple of times, had some, you know, uh, discipline issues with high shots and, 
and getting back on side, giving away a few six agains. And that just sort of like, you know, went bang, bang, bang. And the three tries that Brisbane scored were directly off the results of errors from Mike Acevo, Sean Lane, and Nathan Brown. And, you know, we, we literally gifted them three tries. And otherwise, Brisbane, for as good as they were, and I want to give credit to Brisbane for turning up with a bit of, um, you know, positive attitude on Friday, I don't think they threatened us that much beyond those three opportunities. No, we look at, you know, the second half, we absolutely dominated them, but they only had 17% time in our in our half, I think it was. Mm. So second half, barring that um, potential try from – sorry, boys, I've got a bit of a frog in my throat. Um, barring that potential try from Turpin, which was a knock-on, um, Broncos never looked like scoring. And it does need to be said that the Broncos had some awful luck throughout the course of that game. Uh, we had injuries to Xavier Coates, uh, Matt Lodge, and uh, goodness, the third one John was, Asiata. Uh, Asiata, that's right, who had that stinger when he tackled with his left shoulder and the right shoulder got injured. So, which was, to me, I was a bit on himself. Oh, 100%. That that was, and it was a bit of a freak injury too because he hit with the left shoulder and got popped on his right shoulder, which is crazy, but that's what happens with nerve and stinger damage. I mean, so, I know Coates loves his big green. Oh, Coates, Coates was on – that was 100% on him. That was – he nearly hurt himself on the first try because he tried the somersault. And the second one – Did the big flip. Crashed and burned. He he landed, like, on his neck. That was rather gruesome to watch. So, thankfully, the young kid's all right, but hopefully he'll – He needed to do the, um, the Fergo, the low the low dive from, like, Fergo does, not the big yeah. Xavier Coates front flip. Yeah. But, gee, what, what – you know, just from Fergo alone – I'm liking the halves chase swap because Fergo and Wonga Blake got so much room. Yeah, I think they didn't see it last year. It wasn't, you know, a flawless attacking game, but we got encouraging signs that the connections between the right edge with Dylan Brown down there and the left edge with Mitchell Moses uh, helping that side, it looks like it's going to have positive, you know, uh, production. And, and it, it, to me, it makes it like thinking about it and looking at it. On the right side, you've got your strike players in Wonga Blake and Fergo. So your lane, Sean Lane can be more of a decoy runner there and because you want the ball in Fergo and Wanga Blake's hands, whereas on the left side, Maddo's a strike player, so Sivo on that side, and Tom Opicic is just the – he's the workhorse on that side. So he can be the – you know, there was a few times he got an unders line, which, you know, was really unexpected on his side and it made a lot of room for him. So Yeah, um, and we, we've seen that unders line used in various capacities down at left edge, but Opicic definitely made good use of it. He looked quite dangerous coming back against a sliding defense. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I think if they'd kept them on the other sides, you got three strike players in Maddo, Wanga Blake, and uh, Fergo on there. And then on the left side, you have Sean Lane, Opicic, and Sivo's sort of the only strike player. So I think it works out and makes our attack uh, better balanced in that on that perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, second half, Sylvia Hills come back with a vengeance. Part of that was with the Mel- uh, Melbourne Storm, the Brisbane Broncos tiring. But we also saw a couple of players stand up and have absolutely terrific games. And off the top of my head, we're talking Reed Money. We're talking Isaiah Papali'i, who was absolutely monstrous off the bench. Uh, Junior Paulo, young Oregon Kafusi had a very good game. And the other player that probably deserves a bit of credit here is Mitchell Moses, because he managed to get himself into a position to control that final quarter of play where the Broncos had no chance of a comeback because Mitch was really taking that out of their hands of his kicking game and organizational skills. Uh, the kicking game from uh, Mitchell Moses and Reed out of dummy half provided two really good kicks. That um, that kick where Moses got the repeat set, I was I cheered so loudly and yelled so loudly, I actually got head spins and had to sit down. <laughs> I've never done that before. <laughs> so uh, that's sort of where I was at up in Brisbane. Plus, I was stinking hot and humid, so I, that probably didn't help. But yeah, I, 
nailed it there, right there. Papali'i coming off the bench, you know, last year we're always going. Um, Parramatta struggled when Reg and Junes went off and Brownie went off and you're going, oh, geez, we sh-. you know, we had that impact, we had that impact. And then it's only been two games, one, one a trial match and Papali'i's brought that aggression, he's brought that intensity that um, – I dare say Kenny Edwards brought back in 2015, mm-hmm. 2016. Just that, you know, ability to play edge, play middle, bit of ball playing skill, light light on his feet, um, smart player. I think Papaliti probably doesn't have a higher ceiling but doesn't has a higher floor than Kenny Edwards did because Kenny could uh, – Kenny could do some Kenny Edwards things. <laughs> Whereas yeah, he does, so uh, he'd have Papali'i the insane, doing the insane quick taps and then he'd also have – the odd, odd dodgy penalty and whatnot, you know, they put the team in the pressure for. But, yeah, 18 runs for 200 metres and a, a stack of tackles. I think it was in the mid-20s, if I recall correctly. Uh, just yeah, there, yeah, 24. Yeah, 24 or so, for, you know, a handful of missed tackles. He was phenomenal off the bench. Um, and the, the player that it reminded me of as far as a club debut was concerned was going back to 2014 and Manu Ma'u, who, you know, we'd, yeah. we'd seen him in the reserve grade the year before because we we go to Wenty games at that time, Wenty games. And so we knew sort of what to expect, but he blew the doors off for a lot of people, uh, Manu did. And I think that Isaiah had the same result there because he was just – the big thing, I suppose, is the fact that BA trusted him for 56 minutes in his first game. And then in the post-match uh, press, if anyone caught it, Brad, in, in as few words as Brad has ten, tended or liked to speak about because he's not a man of uh, verbose capability when it comes to presses. But – pardon my microphone there. He was as positive as I ever heard him about a new player when he was speaking about Papa Lee. He was, he was actually glowing – in terms of Brad Arthurisms, if you translate Brad to a normal NRL coach in the way he speaks and presses, he was glowing about uh, Papali'i. And it's no surprise given what he produced in the game. Yeah, uh, like you mentioned it, like he's more like Manu, like in terms of sorry, his, uh, he doesn't run so much sideways. It's, it's literally dead straight. And like Edwards had that sort of skip and a bit of footwork and he would like a bit of a Seth Apollo in him. But I just think, you know, I'm going to be honest, I made a big mistake in not putting him in my fantasy team because I just thought bench players – don't translate well to super coach, but man, he showed everyone, proved everyone wrong. And yeah, you know, like just, it helps when you get nearly 60 minutes, but that's going to change from game to game because Parramatta's got a couple other great bench forwards, especially with Murata coming back in round two. But, you know, it's great to be able to have guys you can rely on to play two thirds, three quarters of a game when you need to because injuries and, and sort of that uh, randomness that comes with every game gives you that flexibility, which is fantastic. There was also a point there, uh, sort of, Mid to late second half, where the forwards were struggling to get back on side, and uh, Papali'i jumped into dummy half and took a big run. I think he made about 20 metres on his run. That's someone, to me, that says more about him getting to dummy half and wanting to take the run than a lot I, of I other I recall stuff. that exact moment you mean. He actually, I think he might have pushed Reed out of the way, saying, no, I'm going to take this and help the team. And he yeah. got down the right edge and made a huge, huge gain, like you said, in close to 20 metres. So, yeah, absolutely massive from him. Young Oregon as well. He had, I think, eight runs for 110 metres. A few of those were kickoff metres where he was just flying out of the end zone or the, the, the goal line and, you know, getting well past the 20-metre mark. The Broncos, just their line speed could not match his. Uh, so- the, uh, the best thing Augie did, he was the one that set up Reedy's try because Broncos were sort of struggling That's to get right. up. He was about third or fourth tackle, yeah. and he put on a huge hit which uh, dislodged the ball, and that sort of set us on our way. That was really big from Augie. So that was really good. And, and you speak about Reed Marnie, scored a try, set up another try for Junior Paulo, made, I think, two line breaks off the top of my head, uh, had a great kick. He was just in everything. You know, great kicking yeah. game. Uh, he made 50-plus tackles. I think he- No you know, missed. None, for, 54 tackles, none missed. For those playing NRL fantasy at home, I think he was the top-scoring player. 
I think in Supercoach he was behind Teddy. So he, you know, it wasn't just a, a, a fantasy superstar. He was an actual on-field superstar getting free Dalian points as well. Oh, two, was it? Did Junior get the free or did Reed get the free? I, I'm, I uh, Junior got the three. There you go. Junior got the free. But I think for ABC, Reed got the free for their player of the year. So, you know, tallying well on all the player of the year, um, <clears throat> voting as you'd expect. And for me, the big thing was the the criticism I've seen levied against Reed, and I think that it's fair, is that he's a, you know, huge engine in defense, got flashes of good offensive capability, but doesn't always get involved in offense as much as he should. And he sort of picks bad times to it in previous years. Whereas in this game, he read the game beautifully and injected himself exactly when needed. Darted out of dummy half when he saw the markers or the defensive line weren't set. Kicked when he knew that his halves needed a little bit of aid from dummy half. And played to the line on the goal line to his forwards when he, he could see the openings there for his big forwards to try and crash over. Well, with Reedy, I remember when he first started, everyone, obviously because it was 2018 and uh, people were just happy to have a new dummy half. So it was the new next, you know, new big thing, uh, new shiny thing. And it was that. And then come 2019, people going, oh, but he doesn't have a kicking game. You know, he doesn't have this. Come 2020, he adds a kicking game. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, Reed doesn't run from dummy the, half. The, the goalposts kept moving a little bit, don't they, every, every time. And he's answered the critics every time. And I know it's a very small sample size. It's only one game. But he's run a lot more. And every year he's just added that little bit extra, little bit extra to his game rather than coming out, showing all of his cards at once and going, all right, this is what I got. And then not working on it because oh I can kick you know we saw, we watched him in the under twenties he was kicking forty twenties mm-hmm. he was running from dummy half I think he might have he led scoring. the um, competition in forty twenties or close to yeah. in our twenty seventeen he was very good he was scoring tries from dummy half he was doing everything and then he just pulled all of that back stripped his game back to the absolute bare minimum that he'd done that is possible and he's every year he's just added that little bit more a little bit more a little bit more to his game and now he's got fifty seven games under his belt. Um, I won't say it's a breakout year because that's still a little bit young. Um, but geez, I think now is the time that we'll see, we'll start seeing Reedy start having seven, seven out of ten games, eight out of ten games, rather than you know a, a nine out of ten and a five out of ten. All right. So Reed was dominant. We saw, we spoke about the other middles that were dominant. Junior Paulo was Junior Paulo. He helped set up a long range try off a great run and offload. Scored one for himself at the end and was a. Uh, he also had a nice line break down the left where he um, showed a bit, of, <laughs> bit of footwork off the right foot to split the line. So that was Junior Paulo doing junior things. In his did, he, um, did he beat Jordan Ricky there? I believe he would have, right? Because uh, Ricky had a, a match high 10 missed tackles, the poor young kid. Um, really got found out by the Eels. And I believe he stepped past Ricky off his right foot there. Yeah. So, you know, geez, if you're getting stepped by a 120 kilo monster. <laughs> Maybe it's time to uh, drop back down. To Junior has shown some Benji, Marshall, Benji Marshall-esque uh, footwork in his past, so it's not as big a disrespect as you'd think, given you're getting stepped by a 120 oh, kilo. I don't beast. know. They didn't. I don't think they touched him. Um, I don't think they touched him. Which you know, if you get if you get an arm on and you break off, fair enough. But if you don't, if he got, he's about three foot wide, Junior. So. <laughs> Uh, a couple of things. You don't I even to... lay a hand on him. <laughs> a couple of things I did want to touch on before we move on. Um, I think that our flankers, uh, Ferguson and Sivo, still our edges looked a bit suspect defensively, but that's to be expected. I think you say that, but unfortunately, you've got a new combination on the left with Opacic and uh, Sivo, and you've got a combination in, in Wanga and Blake that have never looked uh, particularly at home with each other. But in, in saying that, they were uh, eager. And I think especially in attack, we saw both Micah and Fergo, and especially Micah, who's been uh, called out for this, being very busy and very uh, enthusiastic with their kick returns and early ruck work. Yeah, I still have my major gripe with with both of them 
is come fourth tackle the open side winger. A, a good should, a good hooker or, or halfback we able to expose them for forty twenties on the open side. Yeah, oh, it's it's an absolute shocker every time I got to fourth tackle. Our open side winger would be in the defensive line. I was going just drop back 10, 15 metres. It just stops that fourth tackle kick. And uh, Milford nearly exploded it two or three times, even in the second half when um, he shaped the kick over to Sivo's side and then hooked it back over to Fergo's side. And um, luckily it was a bit late in the game. But, geez, just boys, just drop back on the f- – like you don't have to drop back for the kick. Just drop back far enough that you prevent the kick from happening – but also if a, if a passing play, if they do decide to run it, you can still move up. Gutho's back there by himself. You want your big wingers to be back there to help him out, you know, ruck the ball out. And they're just, they're leaving him high and dry, I think, on that fourth tackle. I think someone needs to tell him, like, guys, you're the open side winger. You have to, you know, this is winger 101. You drop back on the fourth tackle to just, in, especially if they're around the 40 meter line. If they're over the 50 meter line, you can sort of, you can cheat a little bit and stay up because you don't have to as far as run back, you don't have to worry about mm-hmm. the forty twenty there. But geez, just on the fourth tackle, forty meter line, drop back. I, I think it's I, I agree, but I'm taking whatever I can get from their flankers after twenty nine uh, twenty twenty, sorry, where they both struggled with with Fergo's try scoring drought and Micah's general issues. So at least there was some positives from them there. But Ham's got an important coaching point there. And I think someone like the Melbourne Storm might exploit that better than the Brisbane Broncos. Oh, it's, it's just it's it really frustrates me. Because it's just it's if I can see it, a professional. Oh, it, turn, it turns up on the coaching team. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, the other thing that jumped out to me, or at least appeared to me off the TV broadcast, um, I'm not sure if anyone else felt this way. Do you think that we we're using Madison in more of a playmaking option? They gave him a little bit more license to be like a, a secondary playmaker than the left edge. I can't really comment. I haven't really rewatched the game as yeah, yet. Yeah, I, I mean, he did a lot of like, you know, sort of his typical back row responsibilities, but it just felt like anecdotally to me, like he was given a bit more uh, of a leeway to play make uh, with, you know, Moses giving him early ball and using him as either the, you know, how we love to use a back row on the sweep as the, the primary ball player sometimes. And, you know, a few more looks like that. So I don't know. I, it just felt like that to me, just anecdotally. I mean, the first set in the second half, you saw it that pass goes out of the you know, yeah, that, that was a blemish on his game, but I thought yeah. Madison played pretty good aside from that. A few offloads, oh, some yeah. strong runs. That's the only ball. That's the only like sort of playmaking I can recall. Like other than that, there's a couple offloads, but not so much him being into like third receiver. Maybe yeah. that is a play like because let's be honest, he you know he played five eight uh, for us uh, as a junior. And at the West Tigers, he he, he was cover for their halves as well. So he's got that ability yeah. in his game. And I suppose this gives us more options down that left edge. But yeah, he did, he did put it. I think he put in one kick or a couple of kicks, but one of them, you know, came close to. Um, we pinned them in the uh, five meter line, but yeah, I, I can see more. Um, see, I don't know because when you look at it, like, and I know we mentioned the first half, like uh, Sean Lane, like one of the errors he had was he was trying to do the catch and pass, and you know, maybe like I don't, I haven't watched him at training, right, or preseason, so maybe that's an emphasis this year. Like, uh, Brad Arthur wants him to be more ball playing. But um, well, we're, we are a very dangerous edge attacking team with our quick ball movements. But mm-hmm. I think in the first half, the, the Broncos were able to just dial in on the guy, like the the primary you know pivot guy out wide because we were playing sideways way too early. So there was no defensive indecision. They could make their calls yeah. really easily and just say, yeah, jam lane and then force the error. Yeah, and so we definitely adjusted that at halftime. And I think the news made a point of Brad Arthur not blowing up at the team at halftime. He gave him a very measured halftime response and sort of, you know, put the game in their hands and they definitely responded to it. Um, and that sort of brings it to a point of, you know, is there anything else we want to talk about from this game? You know, we got out of here without any major injuries, got the two points. And as much as we struggled in the first half, at the end of the season, these all count the same, right? 
Oh, 100%. I just want to bring up, um, because I was so far away and I don't want to watch that first half again, but watching it live, that Clinton Gutherson uh, quick dropout, what was your take on that? Because it didn't seem to me like he I saw it on. the replay from behind and I wasn't convinced he knocked it on, but he's also the captain and has the captain's challenge up his sleeve and he didn't, he must have yeah. felt he bobbled it, if like, you know, if not a big bobble, just enough to give the video ref no reasonable, you know, reason to overthrow the, or overturn the decision because it was the view I saw looked like he'd sort of just pulled it in without bobbling it. And yeah, because that was, I thought that was it was a very smart, but I really great, great heads up. Play. Great, I love it. Uh, I am for, in terms of short restarts, I feel like line dropouts are a great opportunity to, to try and exploit uh, a swing of possession there. So I'm never against a short dropout like that. I mean, you could see something was going on because he was just looking at the referee and like the, like constantly talking. Like I'm thinking, what's going on? Is he like trying? Like, so obviously he was trying to make trying to get the all clear to go for it. But you know, like I thought I thought he had it, but then they didn't show us a good enough replay. Like they showed us a replay. We got one look uh, from behind with. Uh, yeah, and that was like a high up, so it's not yeah. like as if it was zoomed in. But you know, like as you said, forty. Like if he was confident, he should have challenged it. You know, after all this round, it was like an anomaly or like there's a lot of. Uh, Challenge is correct, like coach's challenge. Oh, no, sorry, captain's challenge. Yeah, and uh, I, I disagree with some of those challenges being overturned, by the way. I think Penrith were very lucky on a number of their challenges, but it was a very good week for captain's challenges because I don't think I've ever seen so many decisions overturned on the captain's challenge. And before we leave, like, um, before we move on, I know you've mentioned Jordan Ricky for the, you know, high 10 missed tackle. Uh, and I don't know, I think he had, like, an agenda out there because, like, if you look at it, one dropout, they get forced. He literally forces, like, he pushes Guffo. There, there, was, a, there was a bit of lip between him and Guffo early in the game. Yeah, yeah I know exactly oh, what you yeah. mean. Yeah. There was and, a, like, another one where um, in the second half, like, Guffo returns it and he's just dragged. Like, it just seemed like... It was a young way. kid trying to make his mark, it felt like, you know, not not yeah. trying to be overawed by the occasion and, and trying to, you know, let everyone know that he's here as the NRL play. And I, in a way, I respect that. In a way, it's kind of funny. But, you know, he, he got found out a bit and he'll be better off yeah. for it, probably. Maybe he was jealous that he can't pull off a man bun like Guffo. <laughs> <laughs> like I, not, I petition a, everyone should have a man bun in the team, even Fergo. I will be on the record as not a huge fan of the Guffo man bun, but he had a good game. So he's yeah. allowed to keep it for another week. Oh, and I think this should be the last one. Congrats to Reedy for scoring his uh, first. Yeah, uh, hat trick. A hat trick of round one tries. Yeah. Get and a, I think it was. This year and last year, he scored the first try for Parramatta in both games. Yeah, he's got a he's got a nose for the round one uh, any anytime try scorer. So twenty twenty two round one when the draw comes out, get your money on Reed Money for an anytime try scorer, and maybe have a, a double into a first time uh, the first try scorer too, because two out of three is not bad, eh? Mm. Alrighty, so yeah, Parramatta Eels end up seventh at the end of round one as a result of that, if I'm not mistaken, with the Melbourne Storm behind them. Is that, yes. Yeah, correct. So that sets up a, a blockbuster 7v8 in round two, which we'll cover later in the podcast. But as I alluded to earlier at the start, there is plenty of other action to cover this week. So let's start with the junior reps. Um, it was a very good weekend for the junior reps. Uh, no losses, two wins and a draw, starting with the Tasha Gale, who improved to eight from the ladder on the back of their draw against the Canberra Raiders. Um, they had a, a very epic comeback from behind, uh, well, not comeback from behind victory, but comeback from behind draw. Uh, they were down, uh, was it 14 points at one point or 16 points? They were down 16 points, or was it? 16 to 6. 16 I to 4. 16 to 4 it was, I believe. And then they came back with uh, late tries to their front rowers in uh, Rosalia Cedar Payne and Ruby John Kennard. So try scorers for the Eels, obviously those two alongside Talisha Pugh. Uh, Summer Terraro was two from three off the kicking tee. And so that took them to that 16 or draw. And that was a we didn't work there live because it was out at Queenbean, unfortunately. So we have to do these off the updates on nswrl.com. 
But it was really encouraging to see the girls, like we talked about in the podcast last week, not put this momentum from their victory against the Dogs to waste. Um, you know, the, the Raiders aren't a great team in the Tashigal. They're sort of down the bottom of, um, with both the Dogs and the Eels at the moment. But the, the girls, were they're able to come back from a, a very disadvantageous position and turn it into something for the latter. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just, I think I'm in awe of uh, of Pain. You know, the, mm. uh, I heard it on the Bleeding Blue and Gold podcast from uh, fantastic Joey Grimer there. 200, over 200 metres uh, in the game against Yeah, Joey was chatting to us on the tip sheet and over 100 post-contact metres of those the 250 metres she made on top of a hat-trick. Like, what the heck? Like, yeah. Jason Tamalolo would be absolutely chuffed to get those sort of numbers. And she's, like she's doing that. Okay, cool. <laughs> she's doing oh, that without... <laughs> Hello. Uh, she's doing that without slacking in defense um, alongside captaining the team. And it, I'm not sure if they pick representative teams for the Tasha Gal. I hope that there is an origin series because if there is, she's got to be one of the first big players. Oh, 100%. You know, that's huge numbers. It seems like I think she's in the top try scorers and the top point scorers for the uh, Tasha Gal there. At prop forward, captaining mm. the team. Like, seriously, uh, unbelievable stuff. And that's not you know, not to overlook her other running mates in the team. I think Ruby John Kennard's been pretty good. Uh, Talisha Pugh's uh, electric at left center. So there's these individually great pieces in the team. And there's more, more players beyond that, obviously. We've spoken about them in previous weeks. But it's a case of just getting them all on the same page. And that's what's happened in the last two weeks, is that they're starting to coalesce as a, as a unit. And they've gotten three points from a possible four as a result. So really encouraging signs for the Tasha Gale and looking forward to them making a charge uh, at the postseason down the run. They've got, I think, a bye and two more games in hand. So they need to get to six spots to make the finals. It is. It is. I know it's top six for the Howard Matthews and the I, SG I checked, ball, but it's I checked, definitely top six. I checked the, uh, they've got at least as quarterfinals, which would mean the top two go through and then um, the four, it's, you got, sorry, three versus six, four versus five. So yeah, I do okay. believe it's top six. Speaking of top six. Hey, here we go. So he's um he's gotten parole from his uh, one-week suspension. Hamish joins us by way of phone. How you doing, boss? I'm good. So I've just been to prison and back out. So <laughs> uh, 10 minutes we, we said you took the early guilty plea, mate. So you've obviously gotten some sort of reprieve there to play off the bench for us. <laughs> How's a conjugal yeah, visit, mate? So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Dirty asking the hard-hitting questions. I didn't, I didn't know Tinder offered that service, man. I might have to get on that shit. <laughs> Well, mate, I was in the John Maroney complex, so it's males only. So uh, I don't know if you do want in on that. Oh, okay. No, that's no all judgment. Good. No judgment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. We're just getting into the Howard Matthews, Hamish, if you, um, you want to jump in, mate. Uh, so preview or... Review? Yeah, we're, we're just reviewing the action from the weekend, um, talking about... We just finished off the Tash Gale fair draw of the Raiders, and now we're talking about how in the Harold Mats they've um, consolidated their position on the ladder to third uh, with their 28-8 uh, to eight victory over the Raiders, with uh, Ethan Sanders getting a hat-trick, big Miles Martin. He's, he's finding, way, finding way of the try line pretty, uh, pretty much every week, it feels like, and uh, Blaze Talungi is the try scorers for the Eels. Ethan Sanders with a four from uh, four from five, sorry, if I can do my counting, uh, with the Canberra Raiders only scoring the eight points. Once again, we weren't on hand for this one, but uh, this was a game that the boys had to take care of. It was a bit of a trap game. Raiders are down uh, towards the bottom of the, well, they're now actually last on the ladder uh, in the Harold Matthews. So this was a game that they could have tripped over, but they took care of business. Yeah, I think now they're just, uh, that round one loss really spurred them, having the bye the week after they are able to focus. Um Last time I saw them was against the Magpies a week before. They just look like they're they're really dialed in and they're really building towards that final series. And um, obviously they would like to finish in 
first or second, which is definitely a possibility. Um, they've got some tough competition in the coming weeks, and I think it will put them in good stead. They'll be playing uh, the Sydney and the Central Coast Roosters, and then obviously the Sharks this week are always a tough opponent in the uh, junior reps. So um, having those that tough competition leading into the finals, I think will really help them. And they they had some outs this week too, so they had their roster being juggled a little bit. Uh, you know, in the back one, you had Cooper Sinclair out, and so they had to shuffle around there. So it's good to see him, even if it's not huge adversity, but overcoming the the little things that can trip you up in a week-to-week basis. All righty. I think that'll close the books on the Harold Matthews, which means we come to probably the most uh, positive result of the weekend with the SG Ball 47 uh, over the Canberra Raiders 24. And the Raiders were undefeated prior to this game. And there's actually a bit of backstory of this game that we'll get into because uh, this was one of the better victories, I think, in junior rep, rep, uh, Parramatta's junior reps across the last few years. Sorry, that's a mouthful. Um, so we had try scorers Peter Tateo got a double. Um, your boy Tapawasi on the wing scored one alongside his um, running mate uh, Caleb Coroneos, uh, Keelan Bray, Drew Lloyd, and Josh Tuopolodu. Uh, God, it still, it still keeps going. That's how many tries they scored. Sorry, Josh Tuopolodu, <laughs> Francis Tuatino, and Big Larry Moagutatia all scored. Uh, Tuopolodu was a late inclusion uh, coming back from the Jersey flag to play fullback uh, for the SG Ball. So uh, they had a ton of try scorers there, obviously. It was a bad day off the boot for Josh Chappell, kicking only five of, was it nine tries? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so he was five of nine. Could have got the 50-burger, but we had to settle for a disrespectful field goal in the last minute, so we'll take that. Now, what I wanted to get to here was, I got a bit of mail out of this game. The Parramatta Eels won on the weekend against the undefeated Canberra Raiders with playing the last 25 minutes with no one on the bench and the last seven minutes with 12 men on the field. And that's why it goes down as one of the better junior rep, uh, junior rep victories the club's had in a long time because that was all heart, all ticker. Yeah, that's huge. You know, um, coming into this game up against the Raiders, I thought, ah, oh, you know, hopefully they can just don't get, don't lose by too much. And then all of a sudden I'm watching it on the phone. I'm watching the score updates on the phone. They're 20 nil in front. I thought, oh, geez, here we go. And then, you know, the usual comeback from the opposition um, comes forward. And then, yeah, once the uh, Raiders scored their last try, Parra put on two more and that was it. It was just a big scoring game, um, defence optional in this one, it seems like. But, um, yeah, to not concede a, a try in the final um, set or 12 minutes when you've got no – oh, 20 minutes, you said, wasn't it? Uh, the final 25, no. they had no bench. Final seven, they were playing with essentially a man in the bin yeah. because they didn't have enough fit players. That's that's massive and huge congratulations to all 17 players that played that day. That's a really big result um, coming up against an undefeated Raiders team. And unfortunately for the boys, they don't actually make any progress on the ladder as a result because the rest of the top six all lodged victories. Um, but what it does do is creates a bit of a logjam now. So the top four and well, more importantly that top two, given it's a top six, uh, teams one and two get the first week by and will play in the grand final qualifier but it's within uh, touching distance now. So they're, well, they're just... only two points away from top place. Yeah. And first and second play each other this week. This yeah. Week. So you keep, you keep winning, you take care of business essentially. So um, very encouraging signs. And we're starting to see reinforcements trickle down as well. It was Josh to upload this week. Um, at, well, I say reinforcements trickling down. I'm not sure how many are going to be named because given some of the SG Ball eligible players that are playing New South Wales Cup this week, um, they're probably not going to get too many more reinforcements, but they're doing a very good job. So massively encouraging signs, and you love to see it. Uh, the last result this week for uh, Parramatta affiliated teams was the uh, Magpies going down to Mounties 30-20 to 20 in the Harvey Normans Women's Premiership. That was round one of that competition. Um, so hopefully we can, we can start with a win in round two. And as that happens, we'll update you guys, obviously. Um, so that takes us 
out of the reviews and into the previews. Um, so we'll just blitz through the junior rep stuff quickly. Uh, like Cam said before, I guess the the only news item, the other news item you might want to touch on is the NRL apologising to uh, Junior Paulo about the. Uh, ah, true. So in, in case emoji. in case anyone missed it, uh, Junior Paulo, I think he scored in the seventy eighth minute or close enough, uh, powered over off a Reed Marnie pass. Um, the NRL. It must be you have to think it's an intern or someone of that like. Unfortunately, tweeted uh, Junior Paul with a a great pose in the post in the in the action of scoring, uh, getting up and there was Junior Paulo and and the big gorilla emoji. So um, obviously, I don't think it was done maliciously. It was it was done to uh, you know provoke in in light of Junior being you know a big powerful prop, but you know it, it touches a, a matter which you'd rather not. And the NRL has since deleted the tweet and apologised as you'd expect them to. And, um, you know, th- there's no reason to crucify the person behind it, but I think for all parties' sake, I think a lesson was learned from this, right, fellas? Yeah, yeah you've just, just got to do the face with the, the wind blowing out the nostrils. So yeah, the, 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 triumph, the, the, the triumph or, uh, Hammond, I'll talk about this, you have the triumph emoji or, or flame arms. Get the, uh, the fire and muscle emoji going. And they're both pretty good for... Yeah, fire uh, before the, the arm. That's right, yeah. Flame, get the flame arms that way, yeah. So... Yeah, thanks. I mean, I mean, there's also not a good week for social media. Like, I think our own club tweeted out like the spoiler for next week's storm. Oh, already. Yeah, the, the <laughs> Melbourne Storm at halftime, and we had the and full time we had the yeah, the Parramatta's defeating the Melbourne Storm. So, if if it turns out that we defeat the Melbourne Storm thirty two fourteen, however it was that the uh, the tweet was, they better come back and 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 retweet that stuff because that'd be brilliant. Yeah, with 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 Melbourne Storm graphics, yeah, and the wrong score. It was uh, a bit of a fiasco. Alright, so yeah, the, I don't think there was any other major news, was there boys? I think uh yeah, it was pretty straightforward. Oh, had we was... talked about Torbmans yeah, and Oh, uh, did we mention that last oh, podcast? We we mentioned Maccas because we all said we're well, yeah, KFC so boy. We, that's right. We, we had we had Maccas <laughs> Maccas re-upping of the Eels last week and then we now have the official paint of the Eels, Torbmans. So good to see that success on the field is producing success off the field. Um, the Eels have been consistent top four uh, uh, contenders or, or finishers for the last couple of years, barring 2018. And um, that stability on and off the field at board level and during the team is attracting a lot of sponsorship, which is what you want to see. Good stuff. So now we've got an official paint partner. Like, are we going to have a headphone brand? Like, well, that, that's Onyx uh, partner. That, that's how it works. If if you're doing American style sponsorships, you whoever comes on board is your official ex of the club. So, like you said, if we had Beats come on board, they'd be the official headphones of the Parramatta Reels. If Qantas, which are going to be the official magazine of the Parramatta Reels? People magazine, picture man. <laughs> Can I just say, look, as much as Torbman's <laughs> a great company, I think we missed. You know, can you imagine if Posca sponsored the Parramatta Reels? Oh, the Posca oh, Parramatta Reels. Oh. Oh, yeah. It's got the alliteration the, the, and everything. The, the principal oh. partner of the Parramatta Eels, the Posca Parramatta Eels. There you go. Imagine a Papa Posca. Oh. <laughs> trademark that. I don't care whoever listens to that trademark in there oh, right now. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I don't right. know if I want to see Papa's Posca. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, as always, the Parramatta Podcast, the hard-hitting podcast, the Parramatta Eels, <laughs> we talk about the real issues. But, yes, good to see sponsors coming on board, and it's a, a very positive way to segue into our previews. So um, let's blitz through the junior reps. We've got a uh, it's a back to back to back away triple headers, right? We had the West. Well, they played the, the Tashgal played the Bulldogs, but we're at the Western Suburbs Magpies. We're at the Canberra Raiders, and now we're at Cronulla. So it's been a bit of a away road trip for the teams across the last three weeks. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's you know three long away trips. But yeah, I think it's probably good for the uh, junior rep program having all three grades centralized uh, at the one the, spot. Yeah. yeah. It does help logistically and also just having the, the team's barrack for each other on the day itself. 
So starting with the Tasha Gale, who kick off at 12 o'clock, they'll be playing out at Cronulla at Points Bet Stadium. Um, ins for the girls this week, we've got uh, Chelsea Austin, Daniil Keller, Eloisa Seve, and Rosalia Leah. Outs, Demia Pritchard and uh, Laurie Masame. Uh, so backline reads is Mina Kanj, Daniil Keller, Jacinta Tui, Tamira Liardi, uh, Hannah McFadden, Halves, Lorene uh, Lua Manuve, Catalina Vave. Front row from left to right, Ruby John Kennard, Jada Tuevai, and the captain, Lasalio Cedar Payne. In the back row, I've got Talisha Pugh, who switches from center to back row. Interesting. Uh, Talisha Pugh, Summer Tarare, and at lock, Taimani Kolomaka. Uh, the 14 to 17 bench is Christian Cawthorn, Lelani Tua, Eloisa Seve, Summer Brown. Extended bench has three players Chelsea Austin, Lucy Whitehead, and Rosalia Leah. So just quickly pulling up the Tasha Gale ladder. One second. Uh, there he is. The Cronulla Sharks are in at six. So they're holding the fort for the final spot in the finals. And they're two wins, three losses, one bye. So they're ostensibly three wins. The Eels are one win, one uh, one draw. So a win this weekend wouldn't actually put them in the six, pending the result of the Raiders, but it does get them within touching distance of the Sharks. So plenty to play for this week for the girls. Uh, moving on to Harold Matthews, who kick off at 2 o'clock. Um, they've only got a couple of changes this week. Uh, Dom Destratus is finally back from injury. Uh, they've got Suliasi Aho listed as an in. He was also an in last week, so uh, I'm not sure if he played. Um, outs, Cooper Sinclair again, uh, Genesis Talani Suwala and Lachlan Galvin. So they're recycling some of the ins and outs here. So I'm, <laughs> not, I'm, not, I'm not sure exactly what the difference is, but backline reads as Patrick Spence in the number one. On the flanks, you've got Sully, uh, Suliasa Aho and Josh Liala Aloto. Uh, centers are your two fantastic players in Charlie Geimer and Declan Murray. Halves are unchanged, Terence Lafayette and Ethan Sanders. Uh, and the starting pack is actually unchanged, so Dom's not going to replace his brother in the back row. So front row is Sam Tuavati, Yeya Ayachi, Orfagmino, uh, Raf Destratus on one edge with Saxon Pryke on the other, and big Miles Martin at lock forward. Uh, Benches Blaze, Talangi, Joshua Alzahim, uh, Movete Otauta, and Dom Destratus. No uh, 18th man this week, so there'll probably be someone at the game itself, but they haven't announced it. Uh, so looking at the ladder for the... Harold Matthews now, and the Sharks are trying to chase down um, sixth spot. They're currently at ninth, uh, two wins, one draw, one bye, and two losses. So they haven't been too flash this year, but um, Ham and I can attest this. It, it's a real derby between these two teams across the last few years. The Sharks always get up to play the Eels. Yeah, and um, they've got a couple of good players in there. Their centre, Siteni Takamo, um, I think he came across from Rugby Union, was um, pretty highly touted, and he's scored a fair few tries and kicked a few goals. So he's definitely one to look out for. Um, I'm going to say Taj Braley is part of the Braley clan there. So, um, cause there's, there's, there's pretty awful. good pedigree there if he is related. So <laughs> yeah, it's just another bogan name. Taj <laughs> goes along with Jaden and Raiden and Kalen and Taj. Oh goodness. Now, uh, <laughs> no, no, the- no disrespect to Taj. <laughs> it's just a, <laughs> so me. For the Parramatta Eels, a win followed by a loss from the Panthers or the Manly Seagulls means they get a top two finish for the round. So, uh, sorry, pending uh, for and against. So there is a, a lot to play for for the Harold Matthews as they keep gunning towards a round one bye in the finals. But and who do those two teams play? I don't think it'll probably happen. No, so it's just- Panthers versus uh, the Central Coast Roosters and the Seagulls versus the Tigers. So if I just quickly pull up the draw... Uh, the ladder, um, sorry, the uh, the CC Roosters are uh, in fifth, fifth so that, that's actually a decent matchup. And the Tigers, however, are in 11th. So that'd be a big upset in the, on the behalf of the Tigers. For the CC Roosters, that, that's not impossible. 
that's uh, probably more improbable because the Panthers are a very well-oiled machine in the, the junior reps. But uh, a result in either of those games would be huge for the Eels. And, um, and then also, but if you go over to the next week, round eight, Panthers play the Sea Eagles. So, so. That, that's why a win now counts for so much because you take care of your business and then the lighter sorts the rest out for you. Yep. So, I, you know, I think they'll they need to get the win this week. I think they will. They've been building towards this point. Um, it is another away game. I think it's the final away game for the year for the Harold Matthews. I think. It has to be because they've, they've played so many away games already. They, they were out yeah. at, um, at uh, Macquarie Uni alongside the this triple um, away, ro- uh, ro- away road trip, good Lord, making a, a meal of that one. So, yeah, they'd have to be playing out, you'd think, home games through the run home. So, yeah, a huge game. Um, their two rivals play each other the next week. So you're playing ninth. They have to win. I think they will. And that takes us to the SG Ball, which completes the away triple header on the weekend. And they'll be playing from 4 o'clock uh, at Points Bet Stadium as well as the other two games. Uh, a raft of changes here with uh, ins, including Freeman Forsyth. Well, once again, these ins aren't really ins because we know these guys played last week. But Freeman Forsyth, Josh Chappell, Joshua Tuopolotu, Kyla Mafala, Taylor Mawala, and Tatona Jr. Wright. Outs readers Brock Parker, Daniel Reardon, Jonte Jr., Bethan Mesa. Sione Tapuosi and Tyrone Sow. Uh, so there, there's a lot of uh, Roth moves there. So team mm. reads from fullback uh, Joshua Tupoloto playing his second game in the grade. On the flanks, you've got Caleb Coroneos and Freeman Forsyth. In the centres, you've got Kamoe Fekatoa and Jabril Kalachi. Um, halves are back to their usual starting positions, Josh Chappell and Keelan Bray. Uh, a little bit of action in the front row of Taylor Mawala moving into the starting team. And he, alongside big Larry Moagutati, will be bookending Vlado Jankovic. In the back row, you've got uh, the preferred, I think, first-choice back row of Jock Brazel, Maximus Tupo, and the captain, Peter Tatio at lock. On the bench, you've got Drew Lloyd, Koevi Lamessu, Francis Fawafo Tuatino, and Kyla Mafoa. Extended bench is Totono Jr. Wright as 18th man. So a pretty good-looking team there, Ham. Um, I think Josh is a, a fantastic inclusion at fullback. I mean, Tyron Sal must be injured because obviously he'd be in the mix as well because he's a pretty good player in his own right. Uh, but I like the look of that pack. Losing the big hyphen is a is a loss and alongside Brock Parker, both of whom have been very good for the Eels. But Taylor Moala is a, a big inclusion as he comes back into his second game of the, of the season. Um, and Larry's let no one else down. Yeah, for sure. Um, this game, you know, it, it just consolidates that sixth spot. Yeah, um, it's, it's 6v8. Like like yeah, 6v8 um, ladder, so plenty at stake. It looks like all the, barring the top two teams who play each other, three, four, and five um, are playing all lower. So you want to keep uh, touch. on the table. So, you know, you've got to expect a win for them. But this is just to make sure that if they win this week, the Steelers also play the Bears. So they're probably likely going to get a win just to keep that buffer, that two point buffer in between sixth and seventh. But Again, it's the Sharks. It'll be a tough game. They've got some players out. They've starting front row. Um, as you said, Brock Parker has been just missed the consistency, Mister mm-hmm. uh, High consistency. Well, too. he's a very interesting prospect because he's a he's big and surprisingly athletic. He um mm-hmm. he gunned down a, a center in the, against the Steelers. I think it was or Manly uh, that he had no right to as a prop. So he's been very good for us. And and the hyphen is one of the most damaging ball carriers in the competition. Uh, Jonte oh, so Jonte good. Just, when he's when he wants to break the line, nobody's going to stop him, and he wants to break the line on pretty much every run he makes. So, <laughs> yeah, and um, Jonte's only real crime has been over eager to play the ball sometimes. Um, so yeah. when when he's completely dialed in, he's as good a front rower going around in the SG ball. But yeah, they've got um got some good backups in Taylor Mawala, been in our junior reps program since he was fifteen, I believe. Larry Mugutita, Mugutita, that's the one. 
Obviously had the article written about him a couple of months ago. He's been in our junior reps program in the Harold Matthews since he was 15. So, you know, the guys that are that are replacing them aren't, they're not nobodies. They're, they've got some um, ability and some talent, um, a lot of hard work. So they'll get through it. And I actually like uh, Kylan Mafoa on the bench, I think. He's a big athletic thing, Kylan. He he um, gives a, a bit of a point of difference off the bench. Yeah, and he's athletic, he's big. The thing I liked about him this year, so he played a few trial matches. He only played limited minutes, but he's got a very good eye for ball playing. Yeah. I think having that off the bench, especially with uh, Covey and Francis, who are big boys themselves, um, just having that point of difference with Kylan, I think he's got a bit, bit point of difference to all the other boys who are, oh, except for Larry. Um, they're all big boppers who like to make meters, whereas Kylan Yeah, is they're a bit- all north-south, whereas, like you said, alongside uh, uh he gives you that – ability to have generate either second phase play or ball playing before the line as a forward. Yeah, and then, you know, bringing back the class of Josh Tuopolotto, um, he was player of the competition um, the year in Harold Matthews. Um, he unfortunately injured his leg in the grand final, mm-hmm. and that's when Parramatta started to lose. But, yep. you know, he's been training with the first grade squad and for him to come back to uh, SG ball, um, you know, you look at last week, they beat the table. I'm not going to say it's all on. But that's obviously uh, his inclusion was significant. It gives yeah, it can, gives him a huge um, difference maker at fullback, and you know he's a guy that's going to progress from SG Ball into the Jersey flag and even beyond that this year. I think so. You know, if you look at the highlights, he's the one um, sets up the try for uh, new signing Sioni Tapuosai. So just a classy fullback, he can he can score a try for kick return. He can set him up. He can crash over big talker of the of, in the defence. Uh, he's definitely a huge inclusion for the for this SG Ball team. That's it, Matt. All right, anything else to say on the junior reps before we move on, Ham? All good. All good, yeah. So obviously plenty to play for for all three grades as they gun for the finals with just a handful of rounds left. Um, and that does bring an end to the juniors, which leads us to the uh, – well, it's the, the first round for Parramatta Reels in both grades, but it's actually round two of the competition in the New South Wales Cup and the Jersey flag. Uh, teamless Tuesday in round one was a little bit barren because we had the, the week one bye. You don't see that too often in senior football, but the Hills uh, go through undefeated the first week of play by virtue of a bye. Um, but the Jersey flag – has been announced alongside the New South Wales Cup. So let's just run for that quickly. Um, this is all at uh, Ring Rose Park on the afternoon and evening of Saturday. Uh, Jersey flag kicking off at 3.30pm versus the St. George Illawarra Dragons. And uh, it's an interesting looking flag team, Ham, because uh, it's not featuring as many players as it could between guys named in the SG ball and guys named in the New South Wales Cup. But it's still a pretty handy team. So uh, reading from 1 to 17 as Tavita Massima at fullback. You've got Matthew Komalafe and uh, Marley Townsend on the wings. Samuel Loizu and Jaden Skinner in the centres. Uh, Clayton Falolo and Nick Tilberger in the halves. Front row is Itasi James and Jack Colavati, who we'll get our first look at this year after being recruited for the year before. Um, be bookending Kyle Schneider. Uh, Oliver Clements, Penny Tohey and Jaden Yates are your back rowers. On the bench, you've got Ethan LeBlanc as the, the dummy half utility, alongside Mark Turby-Smith, Valence Harris and David Tui. So yeah, there's a few guys that could be playing that aren't, but we've spoken about this before. It opens up the opportunity for these guys to make a name for the, themselves. Yeah, there's a few players in this um, grade I'm really interested to look at. Obviously, your first grade uh, trained players, Matthew Komalafi and uh, Atasi James. And Sam Luizu. And Sam Luizu. Yes, you're correct. Sure. I think all three will bring um, a bit of class and, you know, mm-hmm. given that they have trained with the first grade team, um, just that bit of professionalism back down to the, the, the standard, that's right the professional standards that it takes to be a full time footballer sort of hopefully um, it rubs off and then you got Kyle Schneider who was training with the first grade squad the past uh, in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty nineteen so he's got a bit of class there 
But then, you know, there's been a few unknowns. Um, um, Marley Townsend, I think he's come down from Newcastle. Correct. Uh, Oliver Clements, who we only saw for one game. Yeah. I don't even think o- Ollie, Ollie and, and Jack, the two forwards, one prop, one back row, were recruits for 2020, but we didn't actually get the scene because the, they played away at Campbelltown last year in round one and then the season got scrapped. So we didn't actually get the scene because it clashed with the NRL game that day. And, yeah, here we are as them ostensibly new recruits for the club. So very exciting to see those two. And, um, geez, you look at 15 and 16, Mark Tepu, Smith and Valens Harris. Some big um, muscle on the bench there. You know, this this grade's uh, missing out on Dave Hollis and Sam Hughes in this grade, but, geez, Itasi James, and then you've got Tepu, Smith and Valens Harris. There's some meaty boys <laughs> playing in this grade yeah. still. So, uh, yeah, and there's a yeah, few, few players here that are, off the bench there. depending on depth and the flag, there's a couple of guys here that are very good like odds to play Canterbury Cup or New South Wales Cup is just um, defaulted back to this year. Um, you look at guys like uh, Tarsi James that you mentioned um, and even Valence Harris. Um, if the opportunity presents itself, they could definitely spend some time up in uh, New South Wales Cup for the Eels. 100%. No. Um, do we have a, we don't really have a good read on the Dragons, do we, as far as what they represent? Um, I have no idea who's yeah. in the team. I've never the, the, looked, the, flag, so. the flag is such a complete unknown for, even though Ham and I followed the flag for, you know, and the guys that progress into the flag for years, because we wrote off 2020, there's just, this is a whole new competition. We we don't know much about anything this year. No. Um, I'm going to try and find uh, Dragons to lower grades. Here we go. Uh, I, I am excited four, to see four, how uh, Jaden Yates goes as a guy that can play uh, dummy half and, and lock forward. He's uh, definitely uh, enhanced his reputation, I think, in the last year or so. Uh, just when I, I watched a in-house trial match, and it was only in the conditioning runs, but uh, for him to keep up with Kyle Schneider, who has done a, a first-grade preseason, it's just huge. You know, he just those two were just head and shoulders in front of everybody else in that um, uh, jersey flag conditioning. And then he went onto the field and played like he was just super fit. Um, you know, he's not overly big, but he's just a strong body. Um, in can play lock, can play on the edge. Can play hooker, you know. If you chucked him in the halves, he could probably play there too. He's just good, just an athletic build and a good footballer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, looking at the the Dragons team, uh, not no names I actually recognise there. So, um, and I mean, completely we, we, unknown. We know this, but we've seen it. We've talked about the new junior reps and and these grades up. That possession is king in these games. Uh, if you can hold on to the ball, you're going to give yourself a chance against it, pretty much any team in the Jersey flag. So if, the, if they can take care of their own stuff and, you know, not carelessly turn the ball over too much, they'll be in the box seat to win this game. Ah, oh, 100%. You know, they've just got to got to find that mixture between uh, enthusiasm and just holding the ball because sometimes we've seen with these younger blokes, they get over-enthused. Well, we see it with yeah. Jonte. Yep. Over-enthused. And just force a know, pass, force an offload, get to the feet too quickly or um, rush up from an offside position too quickly, and it just can turn games at times. So if they just, And this is where you're – Sam Louise. That's right. The guys can slow the game down and make and help the teammates make the right decisions. Yeah, your Kyle Schneider. Yeah, um, and then obviously your halves because they're what that's what they're there for. So, yes, sir. Um, Clayton and Nick Tilburg. Nick Tilburg have a, a big task on their hands to guide this talented but inexperienced team around. That's it. All right, let's jump up to the uh, the marquee event on Saturday afternoon at Ringrose with the New South Wales Cup kicking off at five thirty. And it's not going to be a doubleheader against the Dragons. Instead, they're playing the Raiders in the New South Wales Cup. And this is a really interesting one because the, the Eels have pulled no punches and they're going for development first this year in the New South, the New South Wales Cup, mate. 
Um, we can get Bertie in on this one, actually, because he's going to recognize a few names here. So sorry to keep you out of a loop for a while, Bertie, but you're back in the action now, mate. No, it's all good. Like, you know, junior football is not my strength, and I'm not going to pretend I know what I'm talking about. I'm not, like, but at least at least with the Reggies, you're going to recognize a few guys here so we can talk about that. Yeah, well, but even then, like, Reggies, like, unless, unless they're, like, first grade, unless they're, like, top 30, like... Bertie I'm, likes to stay in his lane, and I, I respect that. Oh, exactly. There's no point. I don't want to be, like, a... Oh, <laughs> I was going to say someone by idea. I didn't want to yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go. We're, we're running a bit over time, I think, so let's get into the action here. Uh, Sean Russell will be leading the team at fullback, or not, sorry, leading the team. He'll be organising the team from fullback. Um, on the flanks, you've got Big Solomon in Iduki and Hayes Dunster. In the centres, it's Birdie's man, Will Penasini, and the guy that we recruited late in the preseason and Tim Lafay. So that's a very young and exciting uh, backline outside of Lafay, who is a very experienced NRL player. Um, captain the team at 5'8 is Jordan Rankin, and he'll be helping Jack Balfour uh, steer the team around the park. In the front row is Big Davy Hollis, uh, alongside Kurt Dillon and Joey Lussick. Back row has plenty of NRL experience between Ray Stone and Keegan Hipgrave. And Makahesi Makatoa returns, and he might not be NRL experienced, but he is a, a, a very solid player in the New South Wales Cup, which uh, we've, we didn't get to see much of him because of the season blowing up last year, but he looked very solid. Um, the bench has Nathaniel Roach returning, uh, alongside Ellie Elzakahem, Grant Talafo, who was a big lump of a thing from South Sydney, and uh, Toa Matafa, alongside Shabel Tassapale as the 18th man. Uh, that is a very, very young team. Mm. But, again, it's, I think it's very talented. I think there's five players that are still eligible for Jersey Flag and three still eligible for SG Ball of those five. Absolutely so, crazy stuff. Like, just ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But the ones that are very talented players, I think – you know, probably barring Jake Arthur, the four that have been named that are eligible for, um, I'm not including Charbel Tessapale in that. So there's, mm-hmm. there's six eligible for Jersey Flag. I think all are physically ready for this grade. Um, Jake's probably a little bit underdone physically, but mentally and just game management-wise, he's got this grade. So, And we've spoken um, about this, Ham. It, it comes down to whether the club wants them to be crushing in the Jersey Flag and how much good can come out of that versus taking their lumps in reserve grade, playing against the men and, you know, honing their craft in a competition that have them much better ready for first grade. Uh, first grade. Oh, and 100% I would want them playing this grade. You know, you look at that um, Canberra Raiders team that they're going up against. It's got the likes of um, some first grade players, yeah, Caleb Aikens, that's right, Matt so Frawley, Emre Gula, Tom Starling, Tom Starling Corey Horsberg. So yeah. It's a big, big um, experienced uh, Canberra team they're going up against. And I think, um, you know, might not win, but and they'll be better for it. That's something and I do um, want to emphasize is the cautionary note that a team like this that the Parramatta's fielding, uh, you're going to get some bad losses. Like there's going to be the odd blowout loss because they're young and inexperienced. And they, when, when the going gets really tough, it's going to be hard to keep up with the pace of the, the senior footballers, but they'll be better for it. And that's why I'm, I'm happy to see this. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for it. And I think they'll handle it well. And because um, the whole point of reserve graders have them ready for first grade. So, hundred percent, hundred percent, mate. If if you're not challenging them, if uh, if you're letting them kill other under twenties players, what's the point? <laughs> and um, Ham and I plan to be out for these two games, so you should get TCT updates for both of them. As long and as my, also, as long as my laptop lasts. Uh, New South Wales yes. Rugby League are streaming the reserve grade game. That that's where I wanted to go to. Is that um in the, oh, in the event that you wanted to? Oh no, that's fine. Um, in, in the event that you want to catch this game, um, New South Wales Rugby League TV, which you get on Facebook, if I'm not mistaken, but they should link on the website anyway. Um, but if you find them on Facebook, you'll be able to stream that there. So that'd be very cool for you, be able, uh, very cool for everyone to be able to keep tabs on that game. 
All right, so that's uh, flag and cup done, which takes us to the main event uh, as the Parramatta Eels have their first home game of the season, their home opener against the reigning premiers. It doesn't get much harder than that. The Melbourne Storm are coming to town, so let's just go through the Melbourne Storm lineup quickly. Um, they've got uh, from 1 to 17. There's no crazy jersey numbers this week. No, so they are 1 to 17. Uh, Ryan Pappenhusen at fullback. Uh, George Jennings returns to Parramatta as an opposition winger this time. Um, on the other flank, you've got Josh Adokar, uh, Ramus Smith and Justin Olimer in the centres, Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes in the halves. Front row reads as Jesse Bromwich, their captain, Brandon Smith, Christian Welch. Back row of Felice Kafusi, Kenneth Bromwich and Nelson Asofa Solomona at lock forward. On the bench, they've got Tyson Smoothie, one of the better names in the competition, alongside uh, Tui Kamikamika, Tom Eisenhugh and Chris Lewis. So there's a few, um, uh, whether it's in the juniors or below, ex-eels in there. So we've got Tui, uh, we've got... Uh, in the centres, Ramus Smith, and on the wing, George Jennings. Am I missing anyone else? No. 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 Uh, uh, Ryan Pappenhusen could have played for the Eels because he played touch football out west. Um, I remember that article last year. <laughs> 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 they, they, they tried to make it spin it as another Parramatta Eels misfit instead of uh, West Tigers let Ryan Pappenhusen walk. But, um, yeah, so Melbourne Storm looking uh, formidable as always, even without Cameron Smith, even without Billy Slater and Cooper Cronk. Um, they still remain uh, near the top of the competition or thereabouts. They are one of the benchmarks of the NRL. Now, for the Paramount Reels, there's just the one change this week uh, as Mar- Maratani Akwari returns from suspension. So the starting team is unchanged. Shoreline has held his place. At fullback, you have Captain Quinton Gufferson. On the flanks, Mike Acevo and Blake Ferguson. Left centre is Tom Opacic and right centre is Wanga Blake. Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses will be in the 6 and 7, respectively. Uh, front row, one of the best in the competition, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Reed Marnie, and Junior Paulo. Back row, left edge, is uh, Ryan Madison. Right edge is Sean Lane. I nearly screwed that up. Uh, <laughs> I, I got there, though. Uh, at lock forward is the Terminator, Nathan Brown. On the bench, you had the two of the stars from the Brisbane Broncos game, Oregon Kafusi and Isaiah Papali'i. Will Smith holds his place as utility after a, a small but energetic stint from the bench. And uh, the aforementioned Murata Niakore claims his spot in the 17 as one of the best bench forwards in the competition. Keegan Hipgrave unfortunately makes way for Murata after a, a decent little 30-minute stint of his own. Um, he drops back to 18th man, and the shadow bench reads as Hipgrave, Hayes Dunster, Ray Stone returning from injury, and Joey Lusick. So yeah, we didn't expect many changes from round one. We got the bickies, even though the first half was a bit of a mess at times, and at times I mean the entire 40 minutes. Uh, but they did the job, and we get back one of the best bench players in the competition in Murata. Um, yeah, all hands on deck, boys. What do we make of this game? The return of the sun, the prodigal sun. Simba, the Lion <laughs> King. He's back, baby. Mate, look, well, I don't want to sound biased, but like, name me another bench player. Okay, take Papa Lee out of it. Name me another <laughs> bench player who gives, like, he's very hard to tackle. Nah, Murata is an absolute monster, mate. I'm so happy he's mm. part of our roster. And. Oh, we, we yeah. talk about it all the time on, on the podcast, the importance of the bench. And Murata is just, he is that encapsulated into one player. You can tell, like, and, like, you'd think, oh, Benji shouldn't have an, an impact or an effect on the team. But, like, we did miss him in the games he's been suspended or injured. Like, Absolutely. And it's just, it's been a blessing in disguise from when he shifted from the edge to the bench because, you know, like, um, on the weekend, like, you can tell, like, that, like on the weekend, the game, like, when we had no ball, we needed an impact off the bench and energy. And, you know, Papali'i and Hipgrave did it. And just, you know, like, there's only so much I can appraise of Murata. And that's why I'm just praying, like, it's one of those ones where you don't want him to go off because then you then you have a club be like, hey, come, you know, get a starting spot here. Like, and, yeah, it's just it's just a blessing that, yeah, he's, in the, he's at the club now. And we know how good the Melbourne Storm starters are, 
because, you know, even without the big three that we spoke about before, you've still got the Ryan Pappenhusens, the Cameron Munsters, the Jerome Hughes, Josh Adokar, uh, you know, Jesse Bromwich is still a very good forward. So there's all these great pieces in the starting team. But the, the Eels have a chance to overrun them in the, the second rotation. When they get Oggy on, when they get Papali'i on, and when they get Murata on, you know, they're going up against uh, Tui Kamikamika and Tom Eisenhue and Chris Lewis. And I know that Kamikamika and Eisenhue in particular can be pretty solid for the Storm, but solid might be an opportunity for the Eels to go above, if you know what I mean, to, to get some more juice out of their guys and, and sort of take the game by the scruff of the neck uh, when the rotation comes in. Yeah, I think um, for that to happen, we have to really own the first 20, 25 minutes yep. and just be super professional. You yep. know, maybe not try, force our hand and go to the edges. Maybe a few unders lines really have that middle dialed in and just running straight up. And then Mitchell Moses finishing the set, getting to a kick, getting their starters off, bring their bench on. But yeah, I just think to, you know, we've just got to match the professionalism of the storm. It's really hard to do, but I think I'm going, I'm, you know, there was talk at halftime of the Broncos game of looks like 2018. I'm going hashtag reverse 2018 because. I reckon we'll have the exact opposite. I think we'll come out of this game. I think we'll be super professional. We'll be pumped up after scoring 24 points in 40 minutes against the Broncos. Um, coming from 16-0 down, I think we'll be super buzzed from that game. And I can see us doing that. And it is worth mentioning that in 2020, the Eels took care of, get, took care of business against the Storm uh, late in the season with a shutout victory, uh, which didn't feature Cameron Smith. But you know, nonetheless, they got it done. And then in the finals, they gave Melbourne their hardest game. So... I feel like the the Storm do have a, not a hoodoo, but they, they certainly have the ascendancy over the Eels long-term, but the Eels are bridging the gap. And, you and know, I, I think one thing that will be in Parramatta's favour, and I can't stress this enough, if you're a Parramatta Eels supporter and you're in Sydney, you have to be at this game. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You have to be here because how often do we play Melbourne at home? It's very rare that we do, especially this early in the season where – you know, it's round two. Anything can happen at this stage. Just, we don't know how the new rules are going to really play out. We've only seen it for two or one game and one trial match. So absolutely anything can happen here. We need all paramaterial supporters out there really drown out and just get behind the team. And uh, one thing I do want to note is that the Storm started red hot against the Rabbitohs and raced out to an early lead, but they let the Bunnies back into that game. They're not infallible. So this is going to be a fantastic matchup. And in a way... It is good for the Eels to have this litmus test so early in the season because it will let them know where they are in regards to one of one of the teams that will be there at the postseason in the you know deep into the postseason. And if win or lose, it gives them opportunity to to learn some important things about themselves. Well, like, it reminds me of sorry, Bertie. It yeah. reminds me of our was it round six last year we played the Roosters. Uh, yes, it was round five or and six. Was, yeah, yeah, it was just it was to me it was the best game of the year. Both teams absolutely slaughtered each other for seventy minutes. And it was just high-intensity professional football. I can see, you know, we need to bring that same intensity, that same passion, just everything about that game. We need to bring it into this game and just do it 10% better, which I think we can do because we've got, you know, we've brought in those extra recruits off the bench. That's it, man. Well, like, you know, we, like, I know we talk, spoke about the Broncos game and, like, um, with the amount of errors we did, like this is the week where, like, if you do this again, you're not gonna you're not gonna pull the dub out because Melbourne they don't give anything, man. They are they they don't give up away a possession, cheap possession. You've got to earn everything. And like talking about like the edges earlier, like who like I, I was saying earlier, like joking around, who has the worst edge? You know, the Jennings and I don't know whoever the center is or Wonga Blake and Alfergo. Like 
and we know like the, what Melbourne like to do. Their wingers like to rush in. So I, as Ham said, I reckon we're going to cut back on the inside and we're going to try and make uh, Brendan Smith work. It. You know, he wants to be a hooker. Like he says he wants to be a full-time hooker. Well, let's, let's make him, you know, make 50, 60 tackles, exactly like Turpin last week, because I guarantee you he isn't the type of person to do 60 tackles and be dynamic in, a, in offense. So he's going to have to cheat whether or not it's an offense or, I don't know, I'm talking like NFL offense or defense. So, you know, get the, like he even, I remember he was on the podcast with uh, Horoscope, or Scope's podcast, and he says, you know, he dreads tackling Junior Paulo. So get Junior at him. Get Murata. You know, get Oggy at him. Just make him work every... Make it, he's got to... As Peyton said with Tomalolo, you can't play this long. you got to cheat. You're going you're gonna to cut corners somewhere. So make him work it. And I think we can um do it. Like, we usually have our best game. Afford-wise, we can match them. You know, Nas, without, without, without the odd try here and there, he doesn't do much. You know, he doesn't create much meters. You know, Bromwich is a, you know, okay. But look, I think our forwards can take care of him. It's just our edge. That's the main thing. If yeah. they can hold up, you know. For me, I, I I sort of dilute this game down to three things, and it, it can be overly simplistic because we know Melbourne are a great team across the park, and they'll attack you in any way possible based on what the film reviews about your weaknesses. But you got to compete in the middle or win the middle. Ideally, you can't bludge on Cameron Munster when he attacks the line because he breaks tackles as well as any five eight for halfback in the game. And you just got to watch out wide for the speed of Pappenhusen. And, you know, some of that stuff is it's easier said than done because, you know, speed can just create opportunities that otherwise aren't there. But if the Eels can just keep those two outside backs in check in, in Munster and Pappenhusen and not see the middle the way Melbourne can run right at times, they're going to be right there to, to win this game, not just compete but win it. So I'm really looking forward to this one. This is an absolute litmus test. Um, you know, Melbourne Storm, the reigning premiers, they had a good win in round one against a fantastic op- uh, opponent. And, yeah, it's the home opener. Like, th- this is awesome. Like Cam said, get out there and, and attend if you can. If you're a season ticket member, you've got no excuse. Um, it is slightly reduced capacity, so I don't know about general public if you're able to get one, depending on the- I know. I think it's 100%. Oh, it's 100%, is it? I thought it was 75%. Because it's all seated. It's only uh, 75% if there's hills. Ah, uh, there you go. So no excuse then. Let's let's pack this place out. Uh, I just want to bring up one thing. I'd, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the Storm vs. Rabbitohs game. I was at Sydney Airport uh, waiting for my flight. But I'm just having a look at possession rates here. Storm had 62% of the ball, 33 minutes in possession compared to 20 minutes of the Rabbitohs. And the Rabbitohs came within 18. So to me, you know, Storm completed 32 out of 41, Rabbitohs 25 out of 40. You know, talk about being professional and everything. We've still got to, we've still got to play attacking football and play what's in front of us. But, you know, if we can get 50-50% possession here, anything can happen when there's 50-50 uh, possession. So, yeah, if you give yourself a chance, this team is good enough to compete with anyone. And it, it, we, we saw against Penrith in the second encounter last year where they, they beat us 20 to 2 or 22 to 2, was it in the end? Um, and they, uh, 20 to 2, yeah. Uh, 20 to 2, was it him? I think they definitely got the 20 something. Mm. But they had like 66%, 66% possession. 66% possession. Good Lord, what a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you, the fact that we managed to keep it that close is always almost a credit to the team despite our, our struggles late in the season. But you give yourself a 50 50% of, uh, of possession or, or close enough between 1% or 2%, and you'll be right there. This team is good enough. So that's all you want to see. Compete in the middle. Don't you know, turn the ball over willy nilly. Don't let the referee or don't give the referee an opportunity to blow multiple six agains. And you're going to be right there no matter whether it's the Roosters or the Storm or the Penrith Panthers. Absolutely. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is, oh, oh, sorry, him. So no, correct me if I'm wrong. Is Dylan Brown on the same edge as uh, Cameron Munster? Uh, Munster plays down the left and Dylan's down the right. So, yes. Well, you know, what a, what a contest it's going to be. You know, like Dylan Brown is arguably one of the best defensive um, halves in the comp and Munster's one of the best runners. And 
Like I, I just feel as though um just don't fall for the dummy because we know like you look at the first try like he he's a great runner so he if he sees you slacking off he's gonna he's gonna uh, go for it so like whoever's on the inside of I can't That's remember, it, I'm a bad fan I don't know whoever's on the inside of um Dylan Brown but. Uh, it'll be Sean Lane, depending Lane, on, yeah. on the defensive structure, oh. whether they play um, back row, half or half back row. Mate, Lane has to give his best game. I know we, we slayed him previously, but he has to because, you know, oh. if he cuts corners... He, we, he, he really cannot have a, a concentration lapse in this game because Melbourne yeah. will exploit it 100%. Yep. All righty. Okay, let's start wrapping things up, boys. Let's hit up the predictions, starting with... Uh, uh, is it Ham or Birdie goes first? Uh, usually if Birdie. Yeah, usually it's ham last, right? Oh, I can go after ham. Let ham go first. No, I just had a no. drink of water. Sorry. Okay. But okay. Uh, I'm thinking, oh, as I said last week, I think it's raining this week. so It is overcast think, with the chance of rain, I believe. I think we'll have like a 14-12 scoreline and, um, you know, we'll come down to like a we'll – we'll kick a penalty goal at half time. you know. People, people will question whether or not we'll go for it or not. Like, But I think we'll we'll edge it. We'll edge them out. And, yeah, I'm tipping a big performance from – um. From Fergo this week because uh you know he got he got got on the board last week you know um feels so you know we say it's his last year at the club so like you know it's a farewell tour you know and he's playing for a contract so hopefully he puts in and um yeah I just can't wait for the game to be honest oh first try scorer sorry yeah, um, did I say first try scorer no you haven't okay first try scorer I'm gonna go um I'm gonna go Mitch Moses I think he's gonna chip and chase score the first try Ham you want me to go or you want to close out uh no I'll go now okay um. Parramatta to win 15. They're going to score 15 points to the Storms, eight. Wow. Um, first try scorer, Tom Opacic. Hey. Oppa. Oppa, yeah. oppa. <laughs> I reckon we'll do a nice little um, inside, outside, underneath overs run play on the left-hand side with uh, Opacic uh, sneaking in between uh, Rima Smith and his second rower, who is Kenneth Bromwich. Felice Kafusi is on that side. Yes, he's on right edge, right? Yep. So I reckon they're slipping in underneath there. All righty. Good stuff, Ham. Uh, so you've got a, a narrow Eels victory with Tom Opacic's first try scorer. This is a game I can definitely see the Storm winning naturally because they're such a good team, but you've got to tip the Eels at home for their first home game of the season. Well, um, mate, if you've got us coming first, you've got to beat the Storm. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So... You know what? It's funny. I, I didn't tip us in the top four yet. Every week, I'm going to tip You're going us. To tip win. us. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. I'm. I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to tip a, a rare, not blowout, but comprehensive victory. I don't know. I just feel like the Eels are going to come out and play some good footy. So let's go. Para 24-26, Melbourne 12. 26-12. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, Eels firing on all cylinders offensively and defensively. Uh, first try scorer. I went with the big man, Junior Poyer, last week. He didn't really let me down because he was last try scorer. So, um, he, in a way, he was the inverse first try scorer. Uh, this week, I'm looking at Ryan Madison. I think uh, the big back row will get over. So, uh, he'll be. We're all uh, going left edge. Yeah, left edge. We're all, oh. we're all hedging a bet in the left edge one way or another, whether it's half, yeah. center, or edge. We'll, uh, we'll be very shocked if we only attack right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dylan Brown and uh, Wonga Bike having a field day down the other side. Yeah. <laughs> Last week, I felt sorry for the fans on the other end. They had no points scored at that end, man. You know, yes, that's refund, true. That's but... true. It was um, 16 points in one half down the one side and then 24 <laughs> in the other. Yeah. How, how often do you see that? Like, you usually like, oh, like, I never see that at all. Like, maybe one or one or two tries, but not like all the Yeah, tries that, that was a, probably an anomaly in terms of uh, one side getting all the action. Alrighty, boys. Because um, it was the uh, Parramatta 
supporters bay down that end. That's it. See, Ham, Ham giving the shout out to the the vocal away base there that got a, a para chant on TV. Well done to them. Yeah, yeah. I looked it up then. I was sitting in the middle up the top, so oh, <laughs> I look, look, look at the uh, the fancy de- uh, high highbrow. Yeah. On halfway, Mister. Yeah, exactly. I heard he was in the corporate suites, man, snacking on tappers and all that. <laughs> oh, I wish. I was very dehydrated because it was two hundred percent humidity, thirty degrees, and we didn't take a bottle of water in. So yeah. <laughs> I lesson, was very lesson dehydrated. Right there. Yeah. All righty, fellas. Um, we're nearly an hour twenty in, so that um brings Ooh, us to geez. the brings us to the end of the hundred and twenty sixth edition of the Power Podcast, and um. I don't think we need any shout-outs this week. We'll get them rolling later in the season. Uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys on the other side. Catch us later. Later, guys. See you, fellas. Go!